Welcome to the Dasco, Reverend Randy Impact's anointed teaching ministry. This message is selected from the vast teaching archives of Reverend Randy Impact. As you listen, may you be blessed and imparted with divine wisdom. And now, today's teaching. What a blessing. Walking in fruitfulness, part two. Two weeks ago, I treated walking in fruitfulness, part one. And as I determined to continue the teaching, um, because I already had the notes, um, the Holy Spirit interrupted me and instructed me to teach on grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it was a message for somebody. And then, today, the Lord is asking me to teach on um, fruitfulness, part two. Pick up your Bibles, your notepads, your iPads, your phones, your exercise books, um, whatever would enable you to write notes. Hey, take it. And I want you to understand that writing is prophetic. Uh, from time immemorial, those who are entrusted with God's word to write are great people in the Bible. Um, Jeremiah wrote, and the writings of Jeremiah brought deliverance to Israel in the day of Daniel. When Jesus appeared to John, John the Apostle, the Revelator, um, one of the words that Jesus said to him is, write, write. So, writing is a prophetic word. People with prophetic insights, they write, they don't just listen. Hallelujah. So, um, get your pens, your papers, your notepads, your iPads, and this word is going to bless you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to start from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 2. You know, it's teaching service. It's Bible study. And um, we want to get into the word of God and understand the word of God. And one thing I want you to also do is that while you are listening, uh, post your comments on the Zoom. Uh, if the Lord ministers to you, don't keep it. Um, post on the Zoom, be interactive, and let's, um, let's mix the word with faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. The Bible says, For unto us was the gospel preached. Unto us was the gospel preached. As well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, um, one thing that we must become aware of is the fact that the word of God is intended to profit us. One of the elements that makes the word of God powerful is the element of profit. That means in any place, at, every, at any time, when the word of God is preached or taught or exposed, it has in it, you know, a setting um, profit. The word of God has in it profit. The word of God is for profit. You know, um, there are some people who don't have this understanding. So, 
sometimes when they come into the arena or the environment where the word of God is being shared or preached, people can come to church, people can come to a beautiful service like this and then um, conclude and say, well, um, the service was not powerful, you know, <laughs> because they don't understand what the preaching of the word carries. You see, anytime you hear the word of God, your profiting must become evident because inside the word of God is your profit. That's how God made his word. You know, the Bible says the word I've spoken will not come back to me void until it accomplished the purpose. So the word of God is an accomplisher. Even as you are listening to the word of God now, the word that I'm speaking, thank you, Holy Spirit, is accomplishing something in your life. You see, you are not an accomplisher, but the word of God is an accomplisher. So if you are feeling in any part of your body, this word, that's why I love the word of God. This word has what it takes to accomplish that which you cannot accomplish so the bible says for unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them so the gospel is intended to be preached to people right but the people are not as important as what they do with the gospel pay attention to what i'm saying the gospel is abundant in our generation when you go to Instagram, when you go to TikTok, when you go to Facebook. But you see, the profitability of the gospel is not because the gospel is being preached. The Bible says, for unto us the gospel is preached, likewise unto them. So it's not even about the reach of the gospel. It's not about the reach. It's not the fact that you have logged on to Zoom and you are listening to me. No. For unto us it was preached likewise unto them but the word preached did not profit them so the word does not profit just because it's being preached the word will not profit you though the word has profit in it it will not profit you just because you are listening to it you know so some people come and say well they asked me to come and listen to this some people even uh, log on to zoom and you know they are busily doing something because they don't understand the word of god is jesus christ and so there's a certain reverence that must be attached to the word of god there's a way to draw profit out of the word of god there's a way unto us and unto them the gospel was preached but the gospel did not profit them why bible says not being mixed with faith Hebrews 4.2, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So, hearing the gospel does not necessarily um, transform your life immediately. Hearing the gospel requires that you mix it with faith. Mixing it with faith is accepting the word, embracing the gospel with a certain attitude. So, your attitude is in receiving the word is very important it determines what you get out of the word if god wants to bless you he sends you a word our blessing is in his word our favor is in his word our healing is in the word now if you look at the ministry of jesus christ if jesus wanted to heal somebody he just proclaims it he says be healed right it means that jesus is conscious of the fact that 
the inheritance of the saint is packaged in the word. That's why the Bible says in the beginning was the word. You see, because inside the word is the total inheritance of the believer. So anyone that underestimates the word of God, you see, underestimates the provisions of God. So in this particular moment, even as I'm sharing the word, you can tap into your favor. You can tap into your blessing. You can tap into your prosperity. Hallelujah. So that's the power of the word. But you need to mix the word. You need to mix it. You need to approach the word with faith. You need to, uh, you need to be eager when it comes to the word of God. You need to pay attention. You know, Peter told the crippled man, he said, look at me. Look at me. What is it? He's teaching him the technology of drawing the healing from the word which is about to be proclaimed. What did he say? He says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So every blessing you are going to receive is going to come through the word. So if you are not someone that pays attention to the word, you are not someone that has an attitude of um, embracing the word, of having faith in the word. You see that you don't receive certain blessings. Alright? You don't receive certain blessings. So, mix the word of God with faith. Anything you hear me say, mix it with faith. Receive it. Alright? Don't just listen to it. But, embrace it. Because, some will be blessed tonight. Others will only hear the word, but they will not be blessed tonight. So, pay attention. Don't let anything distract you. Hallelujah. Now, walking in fruitfulness, part two. Walking in fruitfulness. Write this down. Fruitfulness is God's original plan for man. Write it down. Fruitfulness is God's original plan for man. Number two. Man was designed by God to be fruitful. Man was designed by God to be fruitful. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach. Number three, fruitfulness is the will of God for man. Fruitfulness is the will of God for man. Fruitfulness is the will of God for man. Number four, fruitfulness is the first expression of God's blessing in our life. Fruitfulness is the first expression of God's blessing in our life. Let me explain this. Anytime you want to see the blessing of God in a man, you see through fruitfulness. When God blesses a man or a woman, the first manifestation is fruitfulness. Genesis 1.28. Let's go back into scripture. Genesis 1.28. Now, the Bible says, and God blessed them. This is talking about Adam and Eve. And God blessed them. 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 And God said unto them, be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, the first time God blessed man, 
the next thing that followed was fruitfulness. Alright? Now, I've said here that the blessing is intangible. You know, God is a spirit. So, when God blessed man, he um, gave man a spiritual ability to prosper. You see? So, God gave man something out of himself. You know, which is the blessing. The blessor can release the blessing. God is blessed. So, he has the capacity to bless. And so, what man received was not any physical thing. But it was a capacity. God took something from himself and he deposited it in man. That's what we call the blessing. You can see it. You can feel it. You can touch it. But then, all of a sudden, man had what it took or it takes to prosper. So we say man is blessed. But the first evidence, when God blessed man, the first thing he said, you see, he blessed man and then he spoke. He commanded man. Because the first expression of the blessing is fruitfulness. Any man that is blessed is supposed to be fruitful. Because fruitfulness is the first thing. Now you realize that God said a number of things. He said be fruitful. He said multiply. He said replenish the earth and subdue it. All these things are things that follow after you are blessed. Alright? So when God blessed man, the first manifestation of the blessing, physical manifestation, that is a proof that the man is blessed. Because... Um, the blessing itself was spiritual, so you cannot see it. But for you to know that Adam was blessed, he had to be fruitful. So he said, be, be fruitful. Produce fruit so that they can know that you are blessed. Let the uh, blessing manifest in fruitfulness. So that if they are looking for blessed people, they can look at your fruitfulness and know that you are blessed. God knows you can't see the blessing. Now let me show you this. Joseph, I explained to you, Joseph, the word Joseph, Yosef, in the Hebrew, actually means God adds or God gives or increase. You see, it means increase. But the Bible says that, you see, by his name he was blessed. Joseph was blessed by his name. Now, he was so blessed that his father singled him out and gave him a coat of many colors. You see, there was something working in his life. It's called the blessing. Now, this blessing was not tangible. But this blessing was having a certain effect. The Bible says that, you know, so uh, Joseph was a house help. You see, he was a house help. So, physically, he had nothing. But spiritually, he was blessed. That's what I'm saying. The blessing is not the physical things. The physical thing is the effect of a blessing. And God blessed them and he said, be fruitful. So, the fruitfulness is the physical evidence of the spiritual blessing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
So the Bible says that because of Joseph, the house of Potiphar prospered. Why? Because Joseph carried a blessing. It was not visible. But anytime he moves into a territory, there is fruitfulness. A physical evidence of the blessing. I declare over your life that because you are blessed, may everything around you become fruitful as evidence of the blessing in the name of Jesus. So, fruitfulness is defined as being um, being productive. If we say someone is fruitful, it means they are productive. That means God designed us to be productive. You know, to understand this better, let me help you. God designed the bird to fly. So, the, there's no way the bird should ever struggle to fly. It's part of the nature of the bird. God designed man to be fruitful. So, man is not supposed to struggle to be fruitful. By design, man is supposed to be fruitful. You don't do things to become fruitful. Remember that. Fruitfulness is not a doing, it's a being. You are fruitful. And once you are fruitful, you are only supposed to produce fruit. Hallelujah. Now, another thing you should pay attention to is that, listen, the first person that was blessed um, in all the creation or the first creature that was blessed to be fruitful was man. But you see, anytime we talk about fruitfulness, we usually look at plants. Usually we use plants, um, we infer towards plants rather to, um, to um, um, connect to man. You know, we try to explain fruitfulness from plants. That's what I'm saying. When we talk about fruitfulness, we think first of plants. Then we try to infer from plants. Right? But the first creature that was blessed to be fruitful was man. Plants became recipients of the extension of fruitfulness upon the life of a man. Because plant was in the environment um, of man when that was pronounced, plant received the effect. Alright? So if you want to really understand fruitfulness, look at man. Man is originally designed to be fruitful. So to be fruitful means to be productive. To be productive. Uh, fruitfulness also means um to have good results to have good results not bad results f9 is not fruitful result a is fruitful result now that means that there's a programming in us to excel you know when the christian excel it's not supposed to be strange because that's what he's designed to be when the fish is able to swim it's not supposed to be strange because that's what the fish is designed to be. The Christian is not designed or man, let me take it from man. Man is not designed to fail. So failure is strange to man. Failure is strange to man. You know, I'll, I'll teach you something that will help you to reject failure in your life because it's not part of your makeup. God did not make you so. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, 
um, this is so crucial. The blessing of God and fruitfulness. They are so crucial that when God wiped out everybody from the face of the earth through the flood in the days of Noah, listen to what he said. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So, uh, fruitfulness is like, you know, without it, man cannot live. It's like creating a bird without wings. The bird cannot fly. It's like creating um, a fish without gills, fins. You know, the fish cannot swim. So, man cannot survive without the ability to be fruitful and fruitfulness is not strange it is normal it is common good results producing good results so anything you do is supposed to end with good results you should know this because this is how you were created to be <laughs> you are not supposed to do anything to be fruitful you are fruitful you are created to be fruitful. Hallelujah. Now, biblically, fruitfulness also means more of something. So, when we talk about fruitfulness, we are talking about more. So, anybody that is fruitful is more of everything. Has more of everything. Works in more of everything. Fruitfulness in the anointing. Fruitfulness in power. Fruitfulness in soul souls fruitfulness in your finances that's god's will for your life now why is this important let me share this with you this is important because if you don't know god's will for your life you cannot become what god has said you should become that's so crucial there are many fruitful people who are not fruitful why they don't know they are supposed to be fruitful. I'll tell you a story. There was a lion who was um, born in the jungle. But this lion, um, at a very tender age, was um, a hunter came around and apparently killed all the family. And so the lion, the baby lion, the cub, you know, grew up among um, antelope, a group of antelopes. And so the lion, as, as the lion was growing up, thought um, he was an antelope. Why? Because he kept seeing the antelope. Now, there's something about what you see and how it affects your life and your programming. You see, that's why when God wants to bless you, he wants to uh, bring fruitfulness out of your life. As a Christian, he can tell you to change your environment. Because you see, there are certain things that uh, impede fruitfulness. And one of them is what you see. So this lion grew up among antelopes, moved with antelopes, um, ate with antelopes. Though uh, what the lion was eating was, it, it didn't taste so good. You know, but this lion knew nothing apart from antelope life. Some of you are eagles, but you know nothing apart from duck life, chicken life. Why? All you see is chicken. All you see is people who um, behave like chicken, like ducks. So the temptation is that you may easily think that you are a duck or you are a chicken or you are an antelope. 
Meanwhile, you are a lion. You see, you are not trying to become a lion. You are li- you were made to be a lion. And a lion has certain things in them which is in it. So one day, uh, the antelopes will bully this lion. They will scratch the lion. They will kick the lion. And um, the lion will just succumb to it. And then one day, um, the lion went to a certain river to drink from the waters of the river. And as the lion, you know, looked into the river, he began to see his reflection. Thank you, Holy Spirit. His reflection. As he was looking at his reflection, he saw that he he had a certain kind of face which was different from the antelope. He saw that, you know, his teeth, you know, it, it was different from that of the antelope. He saw that he had claws. He saw that his body structure was stronger. You know, immediately he saw his um, his image. Something happened within him. A certain power came into him. Then he knew, no, I'm not an antelope. I'm, li- I'm, I'm unique. I'm different. I'm powerful. I'm great. You know, so with that image in the mind of the lion, he went back. The antelope tried to kick the lion. And then the lion motioned the claws. And scratched the antelope. And the lion saw for the first time that blood was oozing out of the body of the antelope. Then the lion saw for the first time the other antelope started running away. Then the lion pounced on this antelope and used the antelope as its meals. What am I saying? What we see has a great impact on how we see ourselves. What we see has a great impact on how we think of ourselves. That's why the Bible is saying uh, the word of God is our mirror. The more you look into this word of liberty, this word of God, the more you see who you are. The Bible says he blessed them and said, be fruitful. You are not a failure. You are not a poor person. You are not weak. Maybe society has made you to feel that you are non-entity. You are useless. That's the view of society. What is the word of God saying? The word of God is saying you are the head and not the tail. The word of God is saying you are above and not beneath. The word of God is saying you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the word of God. As you look into the perfect law of liberty. As you look into that mirror, you begin to see your reflection. And as you see your reflection, you are empowered by faith. If you listen to the sentimental comment of people, the opinions of people, you see, you beat yourself down. You can say, I will not amount to anything because of what you are going through. But God made you to be a ruler over that situation. You know, that situation is bread. It's your bread, actually. That situation is your bread. That thing, that poverty in your life is your bread. You are supposed to eat it. You are not supposed to celebrate it. You are not supposed to cry over it. That debt, thank you Holy Spirit. That debt you find yourself in is your bread. It depends on how you are looking at it. You can look at it and say, well, this is going to sink me. This is going to bring my life down. You can also look at it and say, this is bread. God brought me bread to eat. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. I'm the champion of God. I cannot fail because the word of God says so. Be fruitful. The word be fruitful, the phrase be fruitful, 
it's not telling us to do anything. It's telling us that be yourself. Be yourself. So even if you have failed, get over the failure and be fruitful. Because listen, the programming of God is constant. There's no amount of failure that can undo your fruitfulness. <laughs> so if you fall, it means you're a righteous man who has fallen. You get up and clean yourself. But there's no amount of falling that can undo your righteousness. If you fail, you are a fruitful person who has failed. There's no amount of failure that can undo your fruitfulness. You are intricately, originally, intentionally fruitful. That's the revelation. And this is important because you may, be, you may be a lion and be thinking like an antelope. Because that's what society has presented to you. You may be thinking that you are not fruitful. Because when you look at your life, maybe from childhood, from the times you were born, maybe in school you've always failed your exam. You've always failed at math. You've always failed at English. You've always failed at French. And you see, your perception about yourself has been the report card. You know, they write on the report card more room for improvement so you look at your life and you feel inadequate because there's still something to cover you feel like you will be better the day you can have six a's or eight a's or or something like that but your life is not determined by the report card there is a spiritual report card about you <laughs> you are blessed once and for all and in that blessing is a fruitfulness. You cannot fail. I don't know if you get what I mean, but you cannot fail. It's, it's, it's a mirage. Don't pay attention to it. It's a be fruitful. Now, we are made to increase. You see, our life is supposed to be upward. You know, Sometimes the Christian life can be like a yo-yo. You know, it's like it goes up and it comes down. That's not, you see, don't accept it. Don't say that, um, well, that's how life is. Sometimes you are up, sometimes you are down. No. You see, this is the problem. Wrong believing, wrong believing leads to wrong uh, manifestations in your life. What I'm teaching you is very powerful. You see, the things, um, the things that happen in our life is as a result of how we think and what we believe it's not as a result of what god wants for us what god wants for us is different from usually what happens in our life because oh thank you lord between what god wants for us and what is happening in our life you see it is a filter of our faith you see our faith must process what god wants for us before we can see it so by the time God, what God wants for us hits our spirit man and our faith is wrong. You see, it cannot produce. You see, because the word of God is what? It's a word. The word of God is a word. It is shown in our heart. And if our heart has wrong belief, it cannot birth. It cannot birth what God is trying to manifest in our life. So there's always what God is saying and there is always a difference what we are manifesting and uh, you know the bridge or what uh, what creates the problem is our faith system. 
and our faith system comes from what we hear the bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word so if you have heard the negative thing for a long time you truncate the manifestation of god's blessing in your life that's why in first john the bible says that i wish above all things that thou mayest prosper how be that god is telling his people that i wish that you prosper because god knows the protocols that have been set in place there's a limitation he he would want you to prosper but listen if you don't believe you can prosper you can never prosper that's the pain of god he said i wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in hell even as thy soul prosper so the prosperity of your flesh is connected to the prosperity of your soul what's the prosperity of your soul the prosperity of your soul is when you get to a point where your soul which is your mind is flooded with the enormity of god's word you see, when, when your mind is re, uh, rechanged, is, is, is imparted with a great measure of the word of God, you cannot but become what God has said about you. So the problem is the, the quantity of God's word in you. There must be agreement. If God says something and you don't agree because of your thinking process, it can never happen. You know, um, when I was going to secondary school, my mom gave me advice. He said, when you go, um, watch it so that you don't, um, you don't mingle. You don't mingle with, rich, with the rich people. Because the rich people, they have, uh, they, they, they have, um, they have something like, um, like backup. You see, the rich people, they, they have a backing. But you don't have a backing. <laughs> you don't have a backing. So if they uh, destroy something, their parents can pay. But you you know, walk like someone walking on eggshells. Because when you destroy something, they will come and carry all of us and sell all of us. You see, that's, that's a wrong message. <laughs> that's a, you see, that can make you begin to look at yourself in a certain way, which is contrary to what God has said concerning you. Wrong believing leads to wrong manifestation. So you begin to look at yourself. God says you're a champion. And you look at yourself and say, no, I don't have any backing. I don't have any backing. I don't have any backing. But you, you should know that your backing is God. You should know that God is a strong pillar. He's a strong power. The Bible says, the righteous run into him and they are saved. You see, the psalmist said, um, I'll look unto the hills. For whence cometh my help? My help cometh from above. Now, if this word has infiltrated your mind and your soul. You can't look at your momo balance and say, I am poor. I don't have money. You see, you are believing in the report of MTN. Which is contrary to the report of God. So the question is, when will the children of God believe his word? When? The day the children of God will believe his word, that day they will become the word. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the glory. You see, so when we believe the word, we see the manifestation of the word, which is the glory of the word. You can hear all the word in the Bible. If you don't believe the word, you will not see the glory of the word. I pray that God will work on your faith system. I pray that God will take out every wrong belief in your heart. So that God will put the right word in your heart. 
Some of you are filled with anxiety. Some of you are filled with timidity. The Bible says he has not given us the spirit of timidity. You are not a coward. The Bible says the righteous is as bold. He's not saying the righteous will become bold. The righteousness and boldness, they go together. The day you were saved, listen to me, the day you were saved, righteousness was imputed into your spirit. Your spirit is a new spirit. It's a bold spirit. Your spirit is a bold spirit. Your spirit is a bold spirit. The fear of man cannot be in your spirit. The fear of snakes cannot be in your spirit. The fear of cockroaches cannot be in your spirit. There are Christians who fear cockroaches. You fear cockroaches. <laughs> you know, it's, how can a Christian be afraid of a cockroach? You see, you are forgetting the mandate. The Bible said, have dominion over all. Have dominion over all. Have do you have dominion. The Bible says, over every creeping thing. So the cockroach is afraid of you. So why are you afraid of the cockroach? Because of the things you have heard about cockroaches. So you see, what we hear affects what we believe. That's why you must be careful. I don't listen to the news. No, personally, I don't listen to the news. Because the news is filled with negative information. What we call news here in this our world is negative information. What is news? A man rapes somebody. A car hit somebody. Water has flooded somebody's house. A car had an accident. You see, when people sit down to say, this is the 7 o'clock news. From the first to the second, uh, to the last, you know, it's negative information. It's not news. News originally is supposed to be good. You see, what we see in our radio stations and TV stations is perverse news. It's because the devil knows the power of news. So he has perverse the news. So to manipulate the faith of the people. You see? So when you turn on your TV and your radio, what you hear is, fuel prices have increased to so-so and so. Immediately, your faith system shakes. It moves from God into an economic system governed by man. Then all of a sudden, you begin to go down. Why? That's what you have believed. You have believed in the high fuel prices. You have not believed in the provision of God. But if you don't know that fuel prices have gone up, if you don't know, <laughs> and you know that my God shall provide all my need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, there's no way you will not see the provision of God in your life. This is the problem. The faith system. I reject every negative news in my life. I reject every negative information in my life. I reject anything that has the tendency to change who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of Christ. I'm not a failure. I am fruitful. In the name of Jesus. So look at this. Our life is not supposed to be uh, poor today, rich tomorrow. Tomorrow next, poor. The next day. And then we say, oh, um, that's how life is. Life there is small, small. Little by little. 
um, somebody said, uh, little drops of water make a mighty ocean. Are you kidding me? Do you know what makes an ocean? Do you know, do you know, do you, do you, have you read science before? Do you know what makes an ocean? Do you know the source of the ocean or the sea? Do you know where it comes from? You think it's little drops. And where did the drops come from? Who brought the drops? You know, so we listen to all kinds of things and we pattern it after our life. So you see, a Christian is expecting little, little progress. Little, little, oh, little, little, it's, everything will be fine. And then we say, okay, uh, by little, little, the, uh, the, uh, the, the chicken drinks water. By little, little, you know, the chicken drinks water. You see, and then we, we you know, we're patting it after our lives. Okay, let me ask you a question. Okay, the chicken drinks water little by little. Fine, that's the chicken. So, are you a chicken? Are you a chicken? So, if you are not a chicken, why are you, uh, why are you trying to compare yourself to the chicken? You see, one day I was, um, I was meditating on this thing. Uh, little drops of water make a mighty ocean. And the Holy Spirit told me, little drops of water evaporate. Little drops of water, it evaporates. You see, you can put, uh, you know, you can, you can fetch water on maybe a teaspoon. Okay, and, and throw it in the open. Alright, maybe in your compound. Just throw it in the open. Little by little. Maybe every one hour. You fetch with a teaspoon. Throw it there. You know, do it maybe 24 times. Go and sleep. And hope that when you come, by the time you come, there's a big ocean in front of your house. And there are sharks and everything in it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Little drops of water evaporate. Your life is not supposed to be little by little. No. You have believed wrongly. That's why you see your progress is little by little because you have believed wrongly. What does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. So, you know, everybody starts everything and, uh, you know, they're expecting it to do well little by little. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You know, when I started the church, in one year, I said I need a thousand people. You know, I went for a church group conference and a bishop who was teaching at the time in the church group conference, when our church was one year, the bishop said that a church must grow health in a healthy way, like healthily. Every church must grow um, with 50 members a year. And he said, everybody, pick a sheet of paper and write this. I'll have 50 members every year. As I took the pen, the Holy Spirit said, if you don't know, and you write that thing down, you are finished. So the bishop looked at me and said, um, Pastor Randy, you are not writing. And I didn't respond. Because I was not going to write, I'm going to have 50 members every year. No, 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 no. Then the Holy Spirit told me, you can have a thousand members if you want. So I wrote thousand members. That year we, we, we had a thousand. In fact, that year we had 1,200 members. What am I saying? What you believe is what you see. Let me show you something in scripture. Proverbs 4.18. Look at this. It says, 
Wow. He says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. You see, your path has already been defined. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Who is the righteous? Okay. Someone says, the righteous is someone that every, every morning wakes up in the morning and then he will pray and then he would, uh, he would do good. Uh, he will not do anything to offend anybody. Santimonious, pious, he walks a certain way. That's not the righteous. That's religion. All right. Righteousness is determined by God. You see, through our salvation. Righteousness is someone that God has qualified that this person is in right standing with me. I have accepted this person. This person is right by my standards, not by the standards of men. Are you here with me at all? So righteousness is a divine thing. It's imputed on us. See, I'm the righteousness of God. See, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible says this is your path. That means the wicked has a path. The righteous has a path. The unbeliever has a path. So far as you are born again, saved by the blood of Jesus, there's a path. There's a way things are supposed to happen in your life. It says the path of the righteous. It's like the morning sun. Have you seen the morning sun before? It comes up little by little like that. It comes up. The Bible says it's like the morning sun. It comes up a certain way. All of a sudden, um, you know, you can even look at the background. Um, what the, the scripture I'm reading, the background uh, picture. That's like the morning sun you see around 3 a.m or 4 a.m i'm talking about your life it's like this around 3 a.m or 4 a.m you see the whole place is dark but when the sun start coming up the whole place is lighted at the same time hallelujah this is your path it's like the first gleam of dawn it's like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day it means that you know the righteous person your progress your fruitfulness is upward only believe this <laughs> you see you are struggling because when you look at your life it's not so it's little by little the chicken will drink water you see but I'm telling you something Change the way you are thinking. Your life is supposed to be like the morning dawn. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shining ever brighter. You are supposed to shine ever brighter. You are supposed to shine in your academics. You are supposed to shine in ministry. You are not doing some of the ministry. You are shining in ministry. <laughs> we did not come to be part to help the work of God. We came to shine. Jesus is a, is, you know, a, a shine is shining brighter and brighter. We are shining in our micro churches, shining in our main branches. We are shining. We are giving light to other churches. We are leading light. We are shining. The child of God is shining. You know, one day I told my roommate when I was in the university, I said, 
you know what after school you need dark glasses he said why i said because you can't look at me you can't look at me with your naked eyes i'll be shining i'll be shining i am shining i am shining i am shining i am shining i'm shining regardless of what you're going through your path is a bright shining light you see there is a physical and there's a spiritual don't confuse the two don't look at your physical situation and think that's the state of your spirit no that's a state of your spirit what you are seeing is a lie you're not a poor man you are a prosperous person in your spirit there's prosperity hallelujah in your spirit there's prosperity believe it and let it come out you know some people say well i come from a humble background which which humble background which who is that background and which is the humble you see that's the problem so you are not giving god the opportunity my father is god my mother is god say my father is god say my father is god say my father is god Say my mother is God. Say my father is God. Say my mother is God. I'm doing something to you. Say my father is God. Say my mother is God. Say my father is God. Say my mother is God. Say my father is God. If this becomes your consciousness, you can never think wrongly. Are you learning something at all? Fruitfulness. Your life is supposed to, to shine brighter. There's no bad day for the Christian. There's no bad day. There's no bad news. Brighter. Everything you hear, brighter. That's why the Bible says all things work together for your good. You see, there's a spiritual interpretation. You know, when my car had an accident, brighter. Brighter. It's working for my good. Hallelujah. Brighter. If you can think like this. You will never have a bad day. How can a Christian say, a Christian say, I had a bad day? You had a bad day. <laughs> the Bible says, when God created all the days and everything, He said, This is good. There's no bad day. It's a good day. There was a bad event in a good day. But the bad event cannot undo. Did you hear what God said? He said, this is good. Finito. Final. Nothing can undo the word of God. <laughs> you had a bad event. But the day is still good. In totality, it was a good day. Hallelujah. Say, I'm having a good day. Say, I'm having a good day. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 22. The Bible says, the least of you will become a thousand. Fruitfulness. The least of you. You may be least today in your academics. You may be least today in something you are doing. In your finances. Don't pay attention to the least. Don't pay attention to your pocket now. Don't pay attention to your bank account. Forget your mumu. It's not. Bible says a man's life is not defined by the abundance of things he possesses. It means there is something else that defines your life. There's a different economy. Oh God. If only you will change the way you see things. You begin to see changes. The least of you will become a thousand. 
So pay attention to what you are becoming, not what you are now. So if you are least, you are not supposed to say, oh, I'm small. Oh, I don't have money. What is the Bible saying about the least? I am becoming a thousand. That should be your confession. I'm becoming a thousand. I'm becoming a millionaire. I'm becoming a billionaire. Hallelujah. I'm becoming an owner of houses. The least to become a thousand. The one that rents a house is going to become a house owner. So forget about what your landlord is doing. That's not what God is telling you. He's saying you will become. So regardless of what you are going through, you look at the possibility. I'm becoming an, an owner of houses. I'm becoming an owner of lands. I'm owning the lands. I'm owning the houses. You see, as you speak like this, the houses, they have ears. The lands, they have ears. They begin to gravitate towards you. They begin to realize that he knows who he is. He is fruitful. You are becoming fruitful in every area. The Bible says, let the barren, the barren will become a mother of twins. The barren will become, don't say I'm barren. Say I'm a mother of twins. Say I'm prosperous. Say I'm prosperous. Say I'm fruitful. Hallelujah. The least of you will become a thousand. The smallest a mighty nation. Does any of you feel small sometimes? You are the one God is talking to. If you feel small sometimes, you feel inadequate sometimes. You know, maybe in your church planting, um, you've been planting a church you've been planting a church 7 people, 13 people 13 drop to 7 7 drop to 5 you go around you tell everybody, people say we will come, you're expecting 40, you go there you see 4 and a half <laughs> 4 and a half <laughs> You become discouraged. The Bible says, the smallest a mighty nation. Why don't you look at the nation that is being birthed out of the four and a half people? The mega church. I'm a mega church apostle. A global apostle. The nations are coming to my light. Kings are coming to my light. My voice will never fail in my generation. Ah, Nations are coming to Konkonuru. Libranda Rababasha. The Bible said, Shall a nation be birthed in a day? Shall a nation be birthed in a day? Rebranda Sanamakosha Daba. Riba Sudabakosha. He said, This is also a wonder. Libranda Rabak. Shall a barren woman be able to conceive? This is also a wonder. Libranda Rabakasha. Can a seed produce and harvest in a day? Marababasha. The Bible says, Joshua's rod budded. It budded and it began to bear fruit. There's a possibility in the spirit. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. God is making the small a nation. He's not making the small big. I'm not going to be big. I'm going to become a nation. This is the word of God. He says, I am the Lord. In this time, I'll do this swiftly. I am the Lord. It means that God will make it happen. Say, I'm not small. Say, I'm a mighty nation. Say, I am not least. I am a thousand. Hallelujah.
Finally, fruitfulness also means the abundant life in Christ. Remember, God said be fruitful. He said it in Genesis. But the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, that word was activated in you again. Now in Christ. So every Christian is fruitful. You see, people don't understand this. You tried evangelism. You tried soul winning. And you didn't see results. It doesn't mean that that's not your field. It doesn't mean that you are a failure. No. You have to think right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You have to think right. You have to think of yourself as a mighty nation. Think of yourself as they are coming. The souls are coming. The souls are coming. The place is filled. Listen, I listened to a man of God. He said when he started his church, nobody was coming to the church. And he arranged the chairs. Nobody was coming. He arranged about 100 chairs. Not even one person was coming. Then he, he bought 100 chairs, arranged them. And he began to preach to the chairs. He began to preach to the chairs. He began to preach in the, in the course of time. The whole place was filled. Right believing leads to right manifestations. You are not a failure. Hallelujah. Say I'm not a failure. Abandon life in Christ. John chapter 10 verse 10. It says the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you see that? Have it more abundantly. Not just have it, but have it in overflow. It means that the Christian is supposed to be fruitful. One thing you must know is that God is against fruitlessness with a certain passion. When Jesus met the tree, the fig tree, that was not fruitful. He was not compassionate. The Bible says he cursed the tree. Why? Because, listen to me, because there's a cause, there's a reason why that tree needs to be cursed. Because inside that tree is the capacity to be fruitful. Failing to be fruitful is making God a liar. Do you see? When you go to school and you fail your exam, you, what, you see, it's not just you. You are representing a kingdom. You are representing God. You are saying something which is not true. Do you see? You are saying something which is not true. Because God, before you wrote that exam, he blessed you and put fruitfulness in you. So why are you showing something else? Say, I am fruitful. Now, whoa. My time is my time is up. Let me let me show you this and then I'll continue next week. We have one um, Tuesday before the month comes to an end. This is very serious. You need the consciousness of fruitfulness. Now, you must have this mind in your consciousness. 
that I'm fruitful. Why? Because anything that is not fruitfulness in your life, you must reject it. You see, it will not go. Never say that, oh, um, this thing will go. No. If you see sickness in your life, it's contrary to fruitfulness. You must not say, well, if it's God's will, he will heal me. No, you don't know the word of God. So that sickness, though you are not supposed to be sick, that sickness is exploring your ignorance. You know, that's how the devil operates. The consciousness of fruitfulness makes you reject everything that's not fruitful. And it is our responsibility to accept fruitfulness and reject anything that is not fruitful. Hallelujah. Reject it. Reject poverty. Reject lack. Reject failure. Don't accept it. Because that's not how you were made. Now, someone will say, well, pastor, Jesus said that um, the poor will always be with us. Is he not saying that um, unfruitfulness or poverty is part of life? It's part of life. You know, one day I visited somebody and I said, how are you doing? And they said, well, I'm not fine, but they say we shouldn't talk like that. So, <laughs> uh, You pastors, you say we shouldn't talk like that. So, <laughs> For you, because you are here, let me just talk like. You know, we are not, it's not like we are learning how to talk as a will. We know our identity. You see, there's something that comes upon you when you know who you are. There's a way you talk. When one CD is in your mobile money wallet, and there's a <laughs> and there's a way you talk when ten thousand is your mobile money wallet. There's a way you talk when you are at the back of the Uber and you check your mobile money balance and you know it's five CDs and the trip is actually twenty Ghana CDs. There's a way you talk. There's a way you talk. You didn't know. But there's a way you talk when, before you did the order, you, you ordered for the Uber or the bolts, right? You knew that you have 20,000 CDs in, sitting in your Momo wallet. When you, there's a way you even sit in, in the, in the, <laughs> there's a way you are able to tell the driver that, hey, on the AC, on, on the AC. <laughs> there's a way you are able to tell the driver that, uh, slow down, slow down. Don't, don't overspeed. My life is important. It's not really about your life. It's the money in your wallet. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Keep the consciousness. There's a way you walk and talk. If you know that you are fruitful, you reject certain things. This is not my portion. This can never be my portion. Poverty can never be my portion. Hallelujah. Five souls can never be my portion. <laughs> 15 souls. And all me. 15 souls. It can never be my portion. I'm a mega church pastor. I'm a mega church apostle. A global apostle. Nations of the world. Hallelujah. So you reject everything that is foreign because you are conscious of who you are. So pastor, what about what Jesus said? Is he not saying that uh, poverty will always be there 
So what is all this fruitful? Okay, so those who are poor, were they not also blessed and declared as fruitful? Let's face the fact. Let's, why don't we face the fact? Let's just know that poverty is part of life. And if, per adventure, you are lucky, then uh, you become fruitful. You know? Some people think like that. That's wrong thinking. Because people talk by heart. People say, um, um, give unto Caesar what's for Caesar. Give unto God what's unto God. So uh, you can fornicate and then come to church. You see, people actually talk by heart. There's no understanding of scripture. They abuse scripture. They manipulate scripture. They twist scripture. And, and they say, well, they, are, they have understanding. Jesus said, the poor shall always be with you. The poor you always have with you. What does it mean? You know, let me show you this. Then you understand. Because that understanding is very important. There's a way that the letter can kill you. You can be going through something in your life. A hard time. A financial situation. And then you are reading the Bible and you say, oh, the poor will always have with us. And then you put your cup. You say, oh, Jesus even said it. Oh, <laughs> it's, I'm in it. Cry. I'm, I'm, my damn cry is like, oh, Jesus is talking about me. The poor, those of us who are poor, is, we're always around. He wasn't talking to you. Okay, he wasn't talking to you. I'll show you. I'll show you why he wasn't talking to you. Now, we don't use our mind to interpret scripture. Okay? It is wrong. In theology, it is wrong. There's a branch in theology. It's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the art of the interpretation of the Bible or the word of God. Now, the principle of hermeneutics says that you interpret scripture with scripture. You see, the word of God interprets itself. So, you anybody who is using their mind to try and interpret scripture, okay, you are wrong because scripture is self-sufficient. Okay, so if you want to understand a scripture, go into the scripture. Sometimes, God says something in Genesis. Alright, but you have to have a total understanding of scripture to be able to understand what he's saying the, the explanation of what he's saying may be in revelation so if you have not read revelation before you will not understand what he's trying to say so scripture interprets scripture okay what did jesus say i'll say this and then i'll close the meeting the poor would always have with us who was he talking to what was he saying? Does it mean that some people will be fruitful, some people will not be fruitful? Does it mean that fruitfulness is by chance or is by luck? No. Let me explain this. John 12, 1 to 8. John 12, 1 to 8. Pastor Dennis, get the microphone and uh, try and read it for me. John chapter 12. 
verses 12 to uh, verses, uh, John chapter 12 verse 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. Pay attention. What Mary took was expensive perfume. perfume. Right, right believe it. You know, you people, people think, think that, that we are to we are give, to our, give change our change to Jesus when we go to church. You give your least in church and give your best in the world. It's a lack of understanding Bible says that when Jesus was in Bethany, the people that hosted him, remember, the Bible says where two or three are guarded, he's there. So in church, we are hosting Jesus. Now, when the people of Revelation hosted Jesus, what did they do? Bible said they had a dinner in his honor. Oh boy. A dinner in his honor. A dinner. A special dinner in his honor. That means that when you come into the environment of Jesus Christ, you must be willing to part with special things. You must be willing to honor him with your tithe, with your offering, with your giving. Bible says Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. You don't bring cheap things to God. God is not cheap side. It's okay. Um, I'm looking for a place to do church. Oh, um, I go to a place. They mention price. Oh, this is too expensive. What What do you mean? What do you mean? But this is too expensive. It's more expensive because of you or because of Jesus. It's a wrong mindset. Oh, let's find some tree under and they say, what are you doing? Jesus deserves three under. But you, you will not sleep at that three under. Wrong believing. Wrong thinking. People wear their cheap clothes to church and expensive clothes to parties. Bible says, Mary, out of Revelation, gave Jesus expensive perfume. Expensive perfume. Perhaps the most expensive she had. So we give our best in honor of Jesus. Our best in honor of Jesus. Continue reading. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You see, the house... So the environment where Jesus was, was being worshipped was filled with beauty, glory. You understand? That's why, you know, I keep saying, okay, you're having a cell meeting. Where's the perfume? Where's the fragrance of expensive perfume? What I mean is that you are having, you're having a cell meeting, but the whole place is in a mess. You see, the, you are not honoring Jesus. You are not honoring Jesus. You think because it's a cell meeting, it has to be done in a dirty place. It has to be done in any place. But if it's your wedding, you will not do it in that place. Because you think your wedding is better than Jesus. 
That's that's you know, wrong believing. That's why we don't see the glory. The Bible says so, so expensive that the whole room, the whole environment, you see. So wherever we are worshiping God, the place must be clean, must be neat, must look expensive, must look beautiful. Hallelujah. Amen. Continue reading. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? So this is where the problem is. Those with the wrong believing, they always object. The Bible says the disciple, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Listen, there's a way that people who are going to fall off along the line of the Christian walk, there's a way they talk. People don't just fall off. You know, there's an African proverb. They say, if the gods want to kill you, they first make you mad. If someone is going to betray Jesus, he will first attack honor. Any honor that is sent towards Jesus. So when you see the sign, you should know where this person is heading to. Of all the disciples, it was only Judas that spoke against honor. Have you had people who tell you, why are you always giving your money to church people? Why are you always uh, paying your tithe? Why are you always honoring your man of God? Why are you always sowing seed? That's a Judas. You know, Judas is not a person. Judas is a spirit. Judas has not died. The spirit of Judas is still moving around. How do you identify the spirit of Judas? The spirit of Judas doesn't have any problem with VGMA. Doesn't have any problem when Shatawali buys a new car. The spirit of Judas will never complain. When David O sits in a private jet, the spirit of Judas. But then the spirit of Judas speaks against anything that glorifies Jesus. Why are men of God sitting in nice car? Should we sit in wheelbarrow? <laughs> you see, that's the spirit of Judas. Oh, you are only a pastor and you are dressed like a president. That's the spirit of Judas. A footballer will make progress. When a Christian makes progress, the spirit of Judas says, it's too much. Judas said, why are you wasting this expensive perfume? You see, the spirit of Judas sees the seed you sow as wastage. You yourself, you can be a spirit of Judas. You yourself, you are listening to me. Because you are struggling to honor. Anytime you want to honor your man of God, you want to sow a seed, you are thinking within yourself, is this not too much? Is this not too much? That's the spirit of Judas. It only has a problem if the thing is going to be used for the things of God. Is it not too much? That's the spirit of Judas. He said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him. So these people talk like this. They start like this in church. Five years time, they say we are atheist. We are agnostic. We don't believe in the Bible again. But they started talking against the things we do to honor Jesus. They started talking against giving. They started talking about against advancing the work. The spirit of Judas will tell you, why are you so much about soul winning and bursting? Can't you do something with your life? Why are you everyday church, everyday Zoom, everyday 
um, um, Cathizo. You see, that's the spirit of Judas. You go to church too much. The spirit of Judas is against anything that glorifies Jesus. Learn to identify the spirit of Judas. When you follow the spirit of Judas, the spirit of Judas is eventually going to stop. Judas, who will later betray Jesus? I don't follow people who are not going the long journey. No, I can't follow them. Hallelujah. See, I don't have the spirit of Judas in me. See, any spirit of Judas. Any spirit of Judas. Around me. Around I me. cast it out. I cast it out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Say, Jesus. Say, I will honor the Lord. I will honor the Lord. I will honor his servant. I will honor his servant. Say, I'm a builder of churches. I'm a builder of churches. Say, I'm a great tither. I'm a great tither. Say, I will tithe in millions. I will tithe in millions. Say, I will sponsor crusades. I will sponsor crusades. Say, I will build temples. I will build temples. Say, I will sponsor airtime. I will sponsor airtime. For the preaching of the gospel. For the preaching of the gospel. Say, I will not speak against. I will not speak against. Anything that brings glory to Jesus. Anything that brings glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Continue reading. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? You see that? He said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? So usually, the person bringing the statement, you must check the person out. If a fornicator tells you, you are going to church too much, it is because he cannot go. He feels guilty. But why should you listen to a fornicator on the matter of church? You see, wrong believing, wrong information. Continue reading. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this. Now, let me explain this. The perfume that Mary gave to Jesus was worth a year wage. What it means is that somebody's monthly salary for 12 months. So when we talk about giving, sacrifice, it shouldn't be something that does not cost you. This perfume cost Mary a whole year for 12 months. We don't give our change to Jesus. We give our best to Jesus. Continue reading. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. Now, the Holy Spirit has gone into the heart. There's a way people will talk. Oh, is it not too much? He's not saying it because he cares about you. Oh, are you not praying too much? I think you need some rest. Are you not winning too many souls? Are you not giving too much as if they care? It's not because they care. It's because they hate Jesus Christ. And they are trying to get you to hate Jesus Christ. Continue. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. All right. But because he was a thief. All right. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to, to what was put into it. Now, let me show you something. Jesus was not poor. Let me explain why. Jesus was not poor. Let me explain. Listen. Bible says that Judas was the keeper of the money bag. It means that the money that Jesus had, the one who was looking over the money was a thief. But the money never finished. If you and the Bible says, and 
and he was stealing the money but they had money always to eat always to do this always to do that that shows you that the money was too much may god bless you with too much money amen i said may god bless you with too much money amen what did jesus say leave her alone jesus replied he said leave her alone those who are giving their best to to me don't touch them don't complain about them i don't have a problem with them leave her alone continue it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial it will it is you see to to do these honorable things for jesus is the will of god to give a year wage to the lord is his will for you fruitful people do fruitful things poor people receive blessed people give it is rather wrong that is i don't have anything to give god how what is happening here god gave you everything to give back to him he came to you and you are saying, I don't have anything. So far as you are blessed, you are a giver. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Say, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. Continue. You will always have the poor among you. Uh-huh. But you, you will not always have me. Now, he said two different statements. You will always have the poor among you. That's where people stop. You always have the poor among you. So people say, well, Jesus said, uh, you always have the poor among you, so we will be poor. That's not what he was saying. That's not what he was saying. You always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You will not always have me. What he was saying is this. If you have anything of value, think about me first. That's all he was saying. If you have anything of value to give, you know some people say, well, um, if I'm going to church and I have my tithe and I meet a poor man, I'll give my tithe to the poor. I have done the work of God. Is that not the spirit of Judas? Is that the spirit of Judas? He said, you see, Jesus was clarifying something. You always get to a point in your life where you have to choose between good and better. You will not choose between good and bad. Choosing between good and bad is so easy for you. It's so easy for you. But you can be presented with a situation where you have to choose between good and better. And that's difficult. The poor and the Lord. You can out of compassion say, oh, they will die tomorrow. The Lord is supernatural. He won't die. But that's a test. Giving your tithe to the poor is operating the spirit of Judas. You are no wiser than God. Bible says, and the Lord told them, leave her. She has done the right thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, by Jesus saying, you have the poor always with you. He said, I'm not poor. Because he didn't say, we the poor, we are always here. He said, you will have the poor always with you. So he's exempted. He's not part of the poor. 
And if you are after the order of Christ, then you are also exempted. You are not part of the poor. Who are the poor? The poor are the people who are not in the heritage of Christ. Those are the poor. They are not in the heritage of Christ. Once you come into the heritage of Christ, you cannot be part of the poor. He says, the poor you always have with you. It means that even the disciples, he didn't classify them as poor. He said, you disciples, you always have them with you. They will always be around you. They will be in this world, but they are not part of us. The heritage of the Christian is not poverty. 2 Corinthians 8 9. This is why. This is why. 2 Corinthians 8 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. Now, Jesus was what? Rich. Anybody that says Jesus was a poor man, why? He was born in a manger. The Bible, listen, don't misinterpret the Bible. Jesus, they didn't just wake up and give Jesus, uh, you know, birth. they didn't give birth to Jesus in a manger. Something happened. The Bible says all the inns at the time were booked. That means that they wanted to give Jesus uh, birth to Jesus in a hotel, in, a, in an inn, in a, you know, a, a beautiful place. They had what it takes to do that. But the place was booked. So the manger was not the ideal. It was the option. <laughs> you know, Pastor Dennis gave birth to one of his children in a car. In a car. It doesn't mean that he can't afford to give birth. While on the way to the hospital, the baby came out. Do you say that because of that, that car baby is a poor baby? No. <laughs> Jesus was rich. That's why you are rich. He was rich. Jesus was rich. He was fruitful. Rich means fruitful. Fruitful in the area of finances. Look at yourself in that way. I can never be broke. Say I can never be broke. Say I can never be broke. Now, the Bible says that though he was rich, yet for your sake, yet for your sake, he became poor. So Jesus was not poor. He became. He made himself poor. He forced himself into poverty. He changed himself to become poor for your sake. That was a divine exchange. So that you through his poverty might become rich. The word there is might become rich. It means that when you start believing that Jesus has done this and you start believing that I am rich, that might will come to pass in your life. So imagine that Jesus, who did not need to be poor, took upon himself poverty for your sake. It's like you sold your house and took your daughter to the university. And your, your daughter comes back from the university. Where's your certificate? Say, I didn't write the exam. How would you feel? The only reason why Jesus took upon himself poverty is so that you become rich. So if he comes and he doesn't find that fruitfulness, that riches in you, you have wasted his efforts. 
So it's not an option. You don't say, well, uh, God will make some people poor. God will make some people rich. Book of 1 Samuel. The Bible says, it's God that make one poor and God that make one rich. Do you know who said it? It's not God who said it all. It's Hannah. Hannah who said it. God makes rich. And God has made you rich. Riches is your spiritual inheritance. Embrace it. Forget about your background. I was born in Konkonuru. I was born in Konkonuru, but I'm not a poor person. I can never be poor. Why? I've been born again now in Zion. I'm no more born in Konkonuru. I'm born again in Zion. Now, my inheritance is according to the riches of Zion. My father's property is not found in Konkonuru. It's found in Zion. He owns the world. He owns the earth. He owns Australia. He owns Switzerland. I travel to the nations of the world. My ministry is going to the nations of the world. I dominate over the nations of the world. I am not poor. I am rich. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening to this message. Subscribe to Reverend Randy Impact on YouTube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life. Stay connected and prosper.